Before I begin this week's Dharma Talk, I want to give a special shout out to all the folks listening on podcast and say thank you so much for downloading, for listening, and I hope these words are helpful in some way, either bringing you some ease or helping you learn about the Dharma, the teachings of the Buddha, or how to navigate this crazy world we're in, recognizing that it's life is messy and how we make the mess the best of that mess is what this is all about so much much appreciation to all of you and if you ever have any questions or comments or rebuttals please don't hesitate to drop me a note at mary or drop me a note to mary at marystancavage.org or you can also reach me on Instagram, Facebook, Threads, The Big X, formerly known as Twitter, and all those things. Thanks so much. Much love. I was talking to a friend the other day, um, Thursday morning, and I mentioned that I was going to teach about joy. That is, uh, was my topic for this week because I think it's an important topic with all the stuff that's going on in the world today, it's really important to have um, an awareness of joy, to cultivate it if it's not there, or to recognize it when it is there, because there's so many challenges, um, even just to get out of bed these days. Uh, you turn on the TV, or you read your, you know, your social media, or look at the news, or um, even in our own lives, the challenges we face in our own lives, in our day-to-day experiences sometimes we postpone our joy and it's really important not to do that it's important to connect with it and reflect on it and cultivate it and it's an important teaching in buddhism it's one of the factors of awakening joy is extremely important and um i'll talk more about what that's like in the in the factors of awakening and and so and when i was talking to my friend <clears throat> he's a longtime practitioner as well he said he had, he really struggled with it when he first came into contact with the teachings on joy. He said there was a real resistance and a real aversion to it. And this is really, really common. This is extremely common. I don't know if you all have felt that. As I said, I'm going to talk about joy tonight. And sometimes you have this inner like, uh, or yay, or whatever. There's a reaction to, to, to um, the topic. And... Um, he was saying he, he it took him a while to uh, I, he thinks it took him a while to understand that, but he thinks it's be, one of the reasons may have been because I don't want to spend my time in joy because I know it's going to go away and then I'm only going to suffer. It's only going to hurt. And Brene Brown in one of her books, if you know Brene Brown, she talks about um, foreboding joy, which means that we don't allow ourselves to feel joy because we know it's going to end it's actually there's a name for it and so we'd rather deny it it's this protective mechanism we have to protect ourselves against difficulties against challenges and there's a that great song by simon and garfunkel called i am a rock where one of the lines is, if I had never loved, I never would have cried, so I'm never going to love again. And the story is about protecting himself from ever feeling 
that because he doesn't ever want to lose it and experience that pain and that heartache. And so what you do is you build yourself a wall, which is basically a prison, and you keep out joy. But when you keep out, or you keep out pain, but when you keep out pain, you keep out joy. When you keep out the icky feelings, you keep out the good feelings too. You, you ha the wall keeps everything out. Um, and there's so many reasons why we do this. Uh, a lot of why we why we don't acknowledge joy or allow ourselves to feel it or think it's not worth cultivating. <clears throat> we live in a society that tells us that we're not good enough, or we haven't accomplished enough, or we're criticized, or uh, this the society, or perhaps how we were raised when. People told us, oh, no, you got to do more. You got, there's always one more thing before you could let up or experience some, some ease. And so that impacts us, whether we, we recognize it or not. All these experiences, all this conditioning really colors how we see the world, how we interact with our emotions, whether we interact with our emotions or whether we just stuff them down. So really um, important to recognize that um, there's a lot of things at play here that keep us from <clears throat> moving towards the joyful experience. Uh, and that's why one of the reasons I want to talk about it tonight, because it's really important that we move towards it. It's, it's, it's a, an important part of who we are. Sometimes folks confuse pleasure with joy um, or stuff, you know, we get something, so then we're joyful. So it's this external facing chase that we're in. We're looking for what we think will make us happy. And then there's anger or sadness that happens when we don't get it or we get it and it's not quite what we expected it to be or we get it and it's great and then it dissipates or disappears because everything's impermanent and it's all going to go away. So if your happiness is dependent on outside things, there's going to come a time when there's going to be a disappointment. But if there's this internal experience of being present with this moment, whatever it is, and recognizing when there is this joy or this ease, this, this tranquility. In, in the seven factors of awakening, there's joy and tranquility. They're two different factors. Um, the joy is this, oh, this is great. And then the tranquility, the ease that comes from being with the experience, whatever it is. Um, and when we're chasing on the outside, it takes on this flavor of striving, of like bearing down. It, it, it becomes work. It becomes, in, instead of this place of receiving and openness and receptivity, there's this kind of striving and hunting and chasing and and damn it, I gotta get that. I'm gonna be happy no matter what. Ah, you know. And so, to to watch that and maybe you know begin to have some curiosity about if joy is difficult for you to connect with, 
see what gets in the way. That's, I think, one of the most important questions we can ask. What's in the way? What's getting in the way? You know, the Buddha said, all the running and seeking and chasing we do, we just need to stop. We just need to be. You know, and it, and it seems so weird or counterintuitive because we're used to looking out there. We're used to chasing. We've been taught to chase. We're, you know, where do you plan to be in the next five years? What are your goals for this coming year? And it's always like forward thinking, forward thinking, forward thinking. And of course we have to plan. Of course we have to set goals. But we also have to be in the moment. We have to be present for what is showing up um, right here. And, and that is this uh, showing up for what is right here is the cultivation of or the willingness to experience joy when it does show up, especially in difficult times. You know, we, we think, ah, how can I be joyful when there's so much suffering in the world? And Bhikkhu Bodhi, um, this very, very wise monk, says that the cultivation of joy is important in order to regulate despair. We can't just live in a state of despair and, and sadness and wringing of our hands. It's too easy to fall into that place of doom, but that is out of balance. It's out of balance because there's the teaching, I think it's a Zen teaching on 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. There's gonna be all these things that happen in our lives. Let's be with them as they show up, all of them, the joys and the sorrows, with this equilibrium, with this balance of equanimity, this balance of, oh, right now it's like this. Let me be with this. If there's, a, if there's some pleasant experience, oh, let there be some joy and some resting in that ease. If there's an unpleasant experience, maybe there's some compassion that arises, a cultivation of compassion. Joy is present when the hindrances are not. And the hindrances are craving, aversion, restlessness, um, dullness, um, numbing ourselves, doubt. So that's why it's important to say what gets in the way of joy. And, and the hindrances are a handy way to say, is it, is, am I wanting something different from right here? Am I, am I doubting that I deserve it? What's going on? So that is uh, this willingness to stop, this willingness to see and be with is incredibly important. It's incredibly important. In early Buddhist texts, joy and, as I said earlier, joy and happiness are not dependent on outside circumstances. They're dependent instead on our relationship to the world. We are calm in spite of what's happening in this world. Joy is the cessation of dukkha. And dukkha, which is so usually translated as suffering, means a dissatisfaction with the way it is. When we lose that dissatisfaction with the way it is, dukkha, there's an ease. doesn't promise pleasant all the time. 
that's not what it's promising. It promises an ability to hold what's happening in this moment. You know? Joy is authenticity. It's an undefended heart. We're not hiding from anything. You know, I've had um, this, I talked about it, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago. The, uh, the first couple of weeks of my, mo my month, I'd been with, I mean, I had, um, there was a memorial for a friend that I couldn't get to because my sister-in-law was very ill and she asked me to come and be with her and she's, you know, almost 84 and has a lot of things going on in her life and it's like, okay, how do we start planning for these, you know, the old age, the dying, the, the these parts, having those difficult conversations, being with her and and then getting some other news and so there's been a lot of a lot of heavy stuff in my in my life these last few weeks and my gratitude is immense that I've been able to just be with it to be with it and go okay there's this this you know heaviness and recognition of like this is a lot and not missing out on joy when it shows up, like the silliness of my cats. And my neighbors just got two little kittens, and we went over there and played with them the other night. And they're the sweetest little fluff balls. And the other night, the sky was gorgeous because there were those hot summer clouds in the sky, in the blue sky, uh, you know, uh, in the evening. And so to be with that, it's like, wow. I'm not latching on to needing it to be different, latching on to needing this situation with my family to be different or needing the, this situation to be different. It's just like, this is the way it is. So there's a tranquility that comes from that. And then when there's something that's incredibly pleasant or pleasing, there's a joy that arises too. It's like, wow, this is great. And notice that there's no clinging, there's no clutching. Um, we can't deny the joy when it's there because that is also a denial of reality. Just as we push away unpleasant feelings, we can't push away the pleasant feelings because both of them are not authentic. Both of them are defenses. How can we be with this moment? And um, this joy that arises as part of the seven factors of awakening, this mindfulness and, 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 and being present and, and letting go of wanting one thing or another and just opening to the, the experience of what is. Um, and then there's a steadiness of mind and ultimately just this equanimity. There's, that, there's a natural flowering of joy, but... A lot of times, because we've got so much conditioning, so much cultural and familial conditioning around being happy, around joy, around deserving, quote-unquote, joy, even though it's unconditional, sometimes we need some help with this. And so I am a huge fan of James Barra's work uh, and Awakening Joy. And so I want to go over some of the stuff he talks about in that class. James Barr is B-A-R-A-Z. And he still teaches this class. He teaches up in Berkeley. He lives in Berkeley. And he's been doing this class forever. I have, he signed this and it's dated 2010. So I've, you know, he's been, it's called Awakening Joy. And um, so he's been doing this class for probably maybe, that's 13 years ago. 
so maybe 20 years, and he still teaches it. It's a 10-week class, but I'm going to give you a real speedy version of this 10-week class. Um, and then by the end, you'll be wonderful. No, um, but I think it's helpful to reflect on some of these things, and, and it's solid dharma. It is solid dharma. Um, and so I'm just going through basically the, the chapter headings because that's what, you know, the big, um, the movement towards cultivation of joy in our lives. It's not 10 steps and you'll be happy forever. That's that chasing something outside. This is an internal shifting of our relationship to the world. And the first one is just setting an intention, inclining the mind towards joy. Make the decision that you will allow joy in your life. Oftentimes, I don't even know if we do that. I don't even know if we do that. I have a, I had a friend years ago. I haven't seen, she, she moved um, to the Midwest many, many years ago, but she always used to talk about not having any joy in her life. I just don't have joy in my life. And, and I, I, looking back at it, I think she had this idea of what joy was and her life didn't match that. So she was missing out on what was there. We have, you know, we have these fixed views of over there, but we're over here. And how do you be here? How do you be right where your feet are? So make the decision to allow joy into your life. And if it's a foreign concept that's really difficult, maybe just write it on a piece of paper or say, hmm. I'm going to allow the idea that someday it may be possible for me to have this experience. And then, as I said earlier, look at what gets in the way. And if you can be, you know, choose joy. If, the, if, there, if you're, there's enough presence of mind, choose the joy. Choose the joy. Um, the, second, the second piece is mindfulness. That's the foundation of all we do because you, as, as Jack Kornfield said many years ago, you must be present to win. It's like, you know, raffle door prizes. When they pick the, the, your name out of the hat, you have to be there to get the prize. Otherwise, they pick someone else. So you must be present to win. You know, you have to be present. It's a key to well-being in our lives. And um, being there with kind awareness. Or, yeah, just, you know, having this kindness, this mindfulness. And you've been, y'all been practicing for a while, so you know what mindfulness is about. It's being present with friendliness towards this moment. Being present for your life. See when there's, you're caught in craving. Begin to recognize those stories of the mind. Really foundational and, 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 you, because you, you come to classes like this or listen to podcasts like this, you, you're doing this. So continue in that, that practice of mindfulness. And then also really important is gratitude. Gratitude is incredibly important for joy. Um, J- James says it's the most direct way to access this well-being. And we sometimes we have to cultivate it because just like thinking there's no joy, we can be really dismissive of gratitude. You know, what gets in the way? I, I was, I, I, I don't know if I struggled with it, but I was so dismissive of gratitude for so many years. People, well, you can breathe, and I'm like, yes, yeah, so what? This isn't happening. That's not happening. So what? I can breathe. And it's like, trust me, when people 
have difficulty breathing, they're grateful when they can breathe. But to imagine to be dismissive of, of the breath of life is a really skewed way to be. And so to come into this recognition of like, oh yeah, so grateful, so grateful for all these things. And to intentionally cultivate gratitude. I think it was Zenju Earthlin Manuel who says, I think it was her I was reading, that she writes down every night or thinks, names three things she's grateful for in that day. That's why I always end meditation practice with this invitation to touch on something to be grateful for. It has a beneficial impact to the mind. It's really, really, really important. And then I remember once someone said years ago, you, you're either grumbling or you're grateful. They really can't coexist. You're grumbling or you're grateful. So begin to move towards gratitude, even just for the simplest little things, simple little things. And then really important to find joy in difficult times. That's how I started this talk this evening is it's important to intentionally remember to be joyful, especially in the midst of a whole lot of crap. And we're in the midst of a whole lot of crap right now. I don't need to itemize all the things that are going on in the world, all the violence, all the horror, all the, the disasters. You know, the, just we're in July in 2023, and it's uh, the hottest month on record in probably thousands and thousands of years. And so, and all that entails. And as I said, I don't need to, to go into a litany of it, but don't miss the joy that's here. And that's, that's found in this moment-by-moment moment awareness. This moment-by-moment moment awareness. We are open to everything. All the joys, all the sorrows. You know? When we, when we say no to joy, we get caught up in that... that um, the, the, the building of walls which doesn't serve anybody. It never protected us from anything. You know, it's just stuffing that stuff down and it's going to claw its way out somehow, somewhere. Um, and to hold ourselves with kindness and compassion. And I'll touch on that in another little bit. So f make sure you pay attention, especially when it's difficult. And I see a lot of people on social media, a lot of people I follow right now are saying, they're talking about joy, and they're talking about how to, how to cultivate. Somebody, I think someone's doing a, a talk on, it's not a Dharma talk, but talking about um, joy during the apocalypse. And it's like, yeah, why not, you know? Um, so find out what brings you joy and, and, and be there. And then the next one, which is really good, with, he calls the bliss of blamelessness. Live with integrity. When you live with integrity, there's an ease. There's also an ease. Sila, uh, ethical behavior, virtue, is one of the, the, the um, sections of the eighth, Eightfold Path. So important. Wise speech, wise action, wise livelihood. Live in a way that doesn't cause harm. And he has a little piece in the... He, he paraphrases um, the Buddha and says... Um, for one who leads a virtuous life, it is a natural law that remorse will not arise. For one free of remorse, it is a natural law that gladness will arise. For one who is glad at heart, it is a natural law that joy will arise. 
So when we live blamelessly, when we don't intentionally cause harm, um, there's such an ease there. You know, such an ease there. So really making this integrity uh, a key foundation of your life. Ethical behavior, I can't talk enough about it. And as I said, it's a whole section of the Eightfold Path. And then get, get familiar with the joy of letting go. Not holding on to stuff. Letting go of your story of who you are. Letting go of all the things you think should happen. Letting go of all that stuff out there that maybe will make you happy. Live happily ever after, I like to say. Because um, it doesn't. Um, maybe for a minute, but not, not forever. Um, the Dalai Lama talks about, I think J James puts a story in the book about, you know, um, wanting stuff, even when he doesn't know what it is, he used to go into the, like, sharper image store that had all the gadgets, and he'd say, ooh, I want that, and not know it what it is. It's that shiny, 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 and you take birth as the person who wants something, or you see a person, and you want, you want that, and that will do it, and if, if my sports team wins the game, then I'll be happy. And if, if I get the perfect meal in this restaurant or if, if those politicians do what I need to do, then it'll be okay. And let go of that. Bhikkhu Analyo said the Buddha's teachings can be summarized by L-E-T-G-O. Practice. Watch where you're stuck. Watch where you're, you're clinging to things and see what it'd be like to just release Make some space. Let go of that baggage. And the next two can be um, challenging. He calls them the sweetness of loving ourselves and the, the joy of loving others. And that is really connecting with the heart practices. This willingness to greet the world with kindness and compassion and um, greet ourselves with loving kindness and compassion. It's unconditional for all beings. Yeah. Letting go of your agenda for yourself, letting go of your agenda for others. If you're grounded in the Eightfold Path, if you're grounded in ethical behavior, you're not going to cause harm. So begin to walk through the world not causing harm, but also being kind. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Take the metta sutta. I talked about this a few weeks ago. And cultivate compassion as well. You know, uh, which is an open heart in the face of suffering. You don't have to hide. And when you can be present for suffering, it's a tremendous freedom because there's nothing you have to hide from. Because so often we're hiding from hurt and pain. But if you can open up to your own suffering... To the suffering of others, there's a tremendous freedom there. And there's an, like I said, there's an ease there. There's a joy there. It seems so counterintuitive, but I'm sure you've each been able to touch that at some point. And it's never what we think it's going to be. Think it's going to be this horrible thing. And it's like, well, that wasn't that at all. It wasn't maybe perhaps pleasant. But there's a richness when we are open to the reality or we're open to. Um, we have our heart open to everything in the world, all the joys, all the sorrows. There's a care for the world. There's a care for ourselves, and we can do that. And the last one, he says, is just the joy of being. You know? Relax the mind. 
find that equanimity, rest with things as they are, quit having a fist fight with reality. Things may not be perfect, things may be broken, but you learn how to walk through the world wisely with, with taking care of yourself, not causing harm to yourself or others. I, Tony Bennett died, I think, last week, and I remember seeing him. He was, um, I watched a couple of years ago an Amy Winehouse documentary or part of a documentary, and he was in it because he had done a duet with her. And he was talking about her, I think, after her death. And he said this amazing line. He said, life teaches you how to live it if you let it. And so this is when we relax the mind and come to this place of equanimity. We're, we have this clarity and the wisdom. And life let, teaches us how to live it. We learn how to respond with wisdom and kindness and compassion. And we recognize that we're all interconnected beings. Not just human beings, but all these beings. The earth. We're all in this together. And so there's this open-heartedness, this gentleness, this compassion with which we walk through the world. And I can't stress it enough. I think it's an incredibly important reflection. Um, it's an incredibly important thing to cultivate this and I love as I said I love the awakening joy um, path because it's so solidly dharma but it has this lens of joy this lens of cultivating you know this quality of the seven factors of awakening which again leads to equanimity which leads to freedom and liberation nibbana which is not out there it's letting go so Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, my friends, for your, for your kind attention, and I invite you to find the joy in your life. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.